This is the Lions Unchained podcast, where the shackles of your mind are broken. It's not for the faint-hearted, but the chosen few who've embraced the call to leadership, dare to venture where others will not, and believe in God's supernatural power. Join Carl Joseph now for a life-changing word. Get ready to be unleashed into your destiny. There's a rumor out there, friend, that God works in mysterious ways. Heck, even the Bible says he does. Well, the word mysterious is not found anywhere in the authorized King James Version of the Bible. In fact, no one knows exactly where this statement that God works in mysterious ways actually comes from. Maybe this is the scripture where it comes from. Romans 11.33 Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. So does the Bible really say that God works in mysterious ways? And what does that really mean? Now, it's certainly true that to our natural mind, God's ways may appear mysterious. Even what he commanded his people to do doesn't make much sense to us with our natural minds when we read the Old Testament. For example, why would Joshua and the children of Israel have to march around the walls of Jericho seven times in a week before the walls fell when they finally blew the trumpets? Why did God tell Moses to lift up his staff and only then would the Red Sea part? Why did God want the ankles of the priests to touch the river Jordan and only then would he divert the river Jordan and hold the waters back so the children of Israel could pass into the promised land why did he tell Naaman to wash seven times in the Jordan River to be healed of leprosy why did God tell Gideon to arm himself with 300 men against wait for it 135,000 Midianites armed with pitcher lamp and horn what Ezekiel was told to preach to the wind and bones, and Moses threw a tree into bitter water to make it drinkable. These things sure don't make much sense to us on the surface, friend. But friend, whether we understand it or not, God wants us to obey him. We're not supposed to understand God first and then obey him. No, we must obey him first and understanding will come later. Yes, friend, these requests by God do seem strange to our rational mind, certainly. But the natural mind will never be able to comprehend these miraculous events or supernatural occurrences. Remember, the Bible says in Romans 8, 7, Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. Let me ask you this, how can a man hanging on a cross 2,000 years ago possibly have anything to do with me or take away my sin for that matter? It seems strange to us, but the word of God validates it as true. This is the way God chose to redeem us from sin. We serve a supernatural God and he has not changed. And we must not belittle the supernatural component of the Lord. He may operate differently in the new covenant as he did from the old. Yes, certainly. But friend, we live in a supernatural world right now, whether you choose to believe this or not. Consider the numerous accounts of strange lights in the sky or unidentifiable objects, better known as UFOs or the sightings of ghosts or apparitions in various places, or the strange noises or booms heard in the skies all around the world, or the accounts of mysterious angelic intervention in times of impending tragedy and even curses as I recently spoke about. 
We may believe in science instead of God, but even the scientists cannot downplay the supernatural sightings which point to the fact that there is something out there more than we can see, touch, or hear. To acknowledge the supernatural elements of this world does not mean that we're nuts, but if we try to perceive the supernatural without God's word as a guiding light, as I said before, we will most assuredly become deceived. Friend, there are supernatural beings and supernatural powers in this world for both good and evil. But thank God, them that be for us are more than them that be against us. When the Apostle Paul spoke to the Colossians in his letter, in Colossians 2.20, he said, You have died with Christ, and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. There are dark supernatural powers working against us believers, and they're ever-present within the earth. But we are the occupying army because Jesus has already defeated the enemy at the cross and granted us power and authority over the devil and his demon forces. Friend, I will say to you right up front, God may be moving in mysterious ways on the surface that we can be sure about, but God will also do exactly as he promised in the New Testament, and there is no mystery about that. I'll tell you what's mysterious to me, and that's a God choosing to become a man, living here on the earth for 33 years, dying on a cross for people who were hostile to him, and laying his life down for them. That's mysterious to me, friend. In these Bible accounts I mentioned previously, God requires a response of faith from man to validate his belief in God. Friend, for every act of faith, there must be corresponding action on our part in order for God to move. For example, when Jesus healed people, he often asked the person to do something as a response to their belief, like stretch out your hand or go and show yourself to the priest, etc. When Moses raised his staff to part the Red Sea, he demonstrated that he believed God could do it. Also, when the priests walked into the River Jordan, it was a rushing river, but God wanted to see their faith, that they really believed in him. As soon as they made the first move, God held back the waters. Does God keep secrets from us that he will not share? Does this make him mysterious to some people? What does the Bible say about this? Well, the Bible does show there are some secret things that God keeps, but it also infers that we should seek them out. For example, in Proverbs 25.2, it says, It is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. And in another instance, in Deuteronomy 29.29, it says, The secret things belong unto the Lord, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. There's an interesting story of the hymn writer William Cooper. At one point in his life, this 18th century English poet became suicidal. Deciding to end it all, he took poison. It didn't work. Then he intended to throw himself in the River Thames, but he was miraculously restrained on the bridge. Next day, he fell on a knife, and the blade broke off. <laughs> he wasn't very good at this, was he? At last, he resorted to hanging himself. But after all that, he was still rescued when unconscious and revived. Following these foiled suicide attempts, Cooper picked up a copy of the Bible and began reading the book of Romans. He finally found the God who had sustained him through terrible days and fitful nights. It was this survivor who eventually wrote the hymn, God Works in Mysterious Ways. 
Friend, I would suggest to you, this wasn't God being mysterious, merely the manifestation of his protection and providence, which is outlined in his word. He cares for all and wishes that not one of us would die and go to hell. Now let's read another scripture that may point to God being mysterious. That's Isaiah 55, 6 through 9. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Did you notice the context of verses 8 and 9 is talking of God's mysterious ways and his thoughts being above ours are in reference to his unending mercy and how he's willing to pardon the wicked when we are not. God then goes on to explain the forces of nature and how he designed the evapotranspiration cycle in the following verses. To us, friend, it's unfathomable how God could pardon Hitler, for example. But if Adolf Hitler repented of his wicked ways and received Christ prior to his death, Christ would have forgiven him and he would be in heaven right now. Friend, it's that level of unending mercy that we're talking about. That's what we can't get our head around. But he's God, not us. Let's look at another passage that could be an example of God's mysterious working ways. In Isaiah 46, verses 9 through 10, and I'm reading from the NLT this time. Remember the things I have done in the past, for I alone am God. I am God, and there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. Now, just because God has proclaimed in advance everything that has yet to transpire does not mean he's the author of all the things that will transpire. An analogy would be watching a movie. If you've seen a movie before your friend has seen it, then you know what's going to happen because you've seen it all before. But it doesn't mean you decided everything in that movie. In the same way, God watches the choices man will make down the ages in advance of him making them because he has foreknowledge. But of course, God can and does influence many of the choices man can make and protects us even from making bad choices because his mercy endures forever. Once again, friend, we are left to figure out the extent of God's sovereignty and what role man's choice has in the outcome of history. And the truth is, there is no easy answer. Because God exists outside of our space-time continuum, and he views time in a circular fashion, as opposed to our linear view, as he has seen all of history transpire already. Some have speculated that Ezekiel's vision in Ezekiel chapter 1 references the circular aspect of time from God's viewpoint. In other words, God sits in the center of the circle of time and sees all of the passage of time instantaneously in every direction. For him, he is looking at the past, present, and future simultaneously. Don't ask me to figure this out, friend. He's just God, okay? He therefore knows what choices man will make along the way to forge the outcome of history and the positive influences God has placed upon man to cause his purposes to come to pass. So the outcome of history is not all on God's shoulders, neither is it all on man's, but both have a role to play in the final outcome through the annals of time. The same can be said of the gospel if we're disobedient to his command to spread the good news. God's message could be hindered. 
And I didn't mention the role Satan has to play either, as he entices man into bad decision-making, which are also factored into the final outcome of history. Dr. Michael Lake, my professor, likes to say it this way, The devil's playing checkers, but God is playing three-dimensional chess. God has a counter-move for every human or satanic strategy that tries to derail his will, and the course of history will always end up exactly as he desires, because of his omniscient countermeasures. But like I said, not everything that happens along the way is God's will. Let me end now, friend, with a few scriptures that validate God's reliability. In Numbers 23:19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? And also in 1 Thessalonians 5:24, it says, God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. Friend, God's ways may appear mysterious to us because he's seen the end from the beginning and knows all outcomes. Someone once said it this way, God's will would be your will if you knew all the facts about the situation like he does. The age-old lie of the devil is that somehow God is using oppression, trials, and suffering for your benefit. If Satan can convince you of this, then you won't resist it. And that's where deception kicks in. Don't believe the lies, my friend. You must rightly divide the word of truth. Friend, God has our best interests at heart. Jeremiah 29.11 says it this way in the NLT. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Friend, God can be trusted no matter what you've experienced. We don't let experience define our theology no matter what has occurred, because thy word is truth. I implore you today, friend, to give God another chance in your life, and you won't be disappointed. You've been listening to Carl Joseph and the Lions Unchained podcast. Carl is a minister who has witnessed God's miraculous power to save, heal, and deliver. Carl covers topics such as geopolitics, current affairs, cults, societal trends, and end-time events, all through a biblical lens. Every Monday, new podcasts are uploaded, so stay tuned for the next opportunity to roar into victory. Check out carljosephministries.com for exciting articles, teachings, and discussion points. See you next week, and don't forget to hit the subscribe button.